Hey, this is Brian with Mid City Vineyard Church. Mid City Vineyard is located in the heart of New Orleans, Louisiana. We worship on Saturday nights at uh, 6 o'clock, 4302 Canal Street. And if you want to learn a little bit more about us, check us out on Facebook, Mid City Vineyard, Instagram, at Mid City Vineyard, or online, midcityvineyard.org. The last couple of weeks, we've been in a series entitled MCV Distinctives, and we've been talking about the things that uh, we as a community of faith feel that we are building our church on. A community of faith in the community for the community. And so we throw parties, we give things away, and this week we talk about working for the good of others. So I hope you enjoy it. Much peace to you. So over the last couple of weeks, we've been, we started this series a few weeks ago called MCV Distinctives. And these are, these are those things uh, here at Mid-City Vineyard that we really believe uh, set us apart in, in, in a way. These are things that we believe are really important for us as a community of faith. These are the things that we are building our church on here in Mid-City. But these are also things that we believe are really important for us as individuals, as followers of Christ. And so uh, the first week we talked about uh, the MCB distinctive of throwing parties, the importance of throwing parties, the importance of creating space in our lives and in our community of faith for others. Uh, we started our church this way, you know, by throwing parties. We started Mid-City Vineyard by throwing parties over at Monkey Monkey uh, cafe right down the street and we were opening up the doors and we were doing these classes for the community where people could come and eat dinner with us and we were talking about Christ and culture and, and navigating life with Christ in the culture. It was That's how we birthed our church. Last week we talked about, uh, our, our title was Giving Things Away. And if you missed last week, you might have missed the coolest weekend ever at Mid-City Vineyard, in my opinion. So I would encourage you to go listen to the podcast, Giving Things Away. And then last week, we passed the offering baskets with over $4,000 in them. And everyone here took money out of the basket. And hopefully you've been doing something with that money this week. The, the, the assignment was go pray about it and give that money away and figure out what God's doing with that money through you. And you have a little card. And uh, we, we're filling those out. And when you bring those cards back and, and to tell the community how you use that money, uh, place those cards in the mason jars here, and we're going to share those stories in a couple of weeks. But the idea here is that we, we, we practice giving things away, and in two years as a church already, uh, Mid-City Vineyard has given away over $17,000. So in two years, we've given away $17,000. I just, in, in my opinion, that's mind-blowing, and it's probably one of the most exciting things uh, that we, we've been able to do so far. And the reason is because of the generous giving of our church. And so our church, therefore, is able to easily turn around uh, and be incredibly, incredibly generous. And then tonight we're going to talk about working for the good, because I believe that this is another distinctive. This is something that we are building our community of faith on, working for the good of those in our community. It's another one of these building blocks from day one since we started uh, gathering together as a community of faith. We have been figuring out ways that we could serve others. 
Now, I think that this is a foundational Christian principle and value and practice. And yet, uh, I think it's one of those things that we actually have to discipline ourselves in. Just like we discipline ourselves in being generous with our finances. Just like we discipline ourselves in, in creating space for others in our lives. Well, one of the very first things we did before we actually... Uh, we were still meeting at our home in Kenner a couple of years ago. We had 10 people. That's how we started Mid-City Vineyard. And we were trying to figure out, because uh, we, we knew Mid-City was where we were, we were supposed to be. And we were trying to figure out, you know, what kinds of things. How can we work for the good of those in the Mid-City community? And we couldn't figure anything out. So we started calling some churches uh, that we were, we were connected with and just saying, what kinds of things... Uh, can we partner with you on just to just to get going? And so one of the very first things we did as a church was we came here to Canal Street Church. They had a work day, and so we spent we sent a team of about eight people. It was basically our whole church at that time, and just spent the day serving uh, these guys here, serving them not not so much in the community, but serving them as they were trying to figure out ways to to uh, make their building better for ministry and how they serve the community. And we did that within two or three weeks of being a church. And from there, we just have moved on and on and on. We've gutted homes, and I'm going to brag on us for a minute because I, I think this is bragworthy. But we've gutted homes in Baton Rouge. We have uh, we have um, we've cooked uh, a number of meals for Ronald McDonald House and for those in our community who are staying at Ronald McDonald House. We have adopted teachers at the local public schools as we've blessed them and, and taken gifts to them, and we've we've outfitted their their break room with coffee and with muffins. We've done a ton of stuff for hurricane victims in Houston and, and some in Miami. We've, uh, we've collected over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of toothbrushes and toothpaste and underwear and socks for kids in the local schools here because those are the needs that the principals made known to us. We were able to supply a couple of schools with uh, 25 to 50 backpacks uh, this, this last school year. We've assisted in street cleaning. We have helped with home maintenance and we've helped with yard maintenance for elderly wet, wet residents and widows right here in Mid-City. And these are just the things that we've done in, in about a year and a half now. And the reason is, is because we've been very intentional about keeping our ear to the ground, looking for the needs. I, I want to make this very clear because this is one of those things that I believe is, is uh, of the utmost importance. But we did not plant a church in Mid-City to save Mid-City. You know, people ask me all the time, you know, and, and they even say, say things like, you know, like, oh, not you people, I know, but people, people. Oh, New Orleans, you know, so dark and, 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 and so, much, so much darkness there. And uh, people that visit New Orleans uh, seem to say that to me a lot. I do not think New Orleans is dark, and I don't think it's, it's dirty, and I don't think it's demonic. Uh, you're going to have a very difficult time convincing me of any of that churchy lingo kind of crap. I think that New Orleans is an amazing city. I think that the culture in New Orleans is beautiful, and I think it's amazing. I personally believe that the divine loves New Orleans. I think that the divine loves the culture. I think that the Spirit of God loves the music. I think if God were in the flesh here today, God would enjoy the food. I think the art. I think that this is an amazing city, and I, for one, am not here to save it. What I am here for is to work for the good in this community. We are a community of faith right here in the community, and we are for the community. 
And that's why you probably won't uh, hear very many messages from me on teaching you how to technically lead someone to Christ. Because what, 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 what I'm going to teach you is what I've been teaching you the last couple of weeks, is how do we live out the life of Christ in the middle of the community that we live in so that people might experience the love and the life of the divine right here in the circles that you run. Because I'm very convinced that as people experience the divine, as they experience the presence of the Spirit, as you and I as a church, as we create space in our lives for people to, to experience God and to connect with God, I have full confidence that the Holy Spirit is able to bring people to a recognition of who God is. And I believe that happens through us in many ways. So we're a community of faith in the community, and we are for the community. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Micah, we have this one. Check this out. So Jesus says to Peter, he says, Now, Peter, I tell you this. On this rock, I am going to build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now, right before that, Peter had told Jesus, he said, Listen, Jesus, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God, to which Jesus then replies with this. He says, I tell you, on this rock, I will build my church. Now, when Jesus says this to Peter, there are a couple things that we, we, we need to understand. Jesus was not talking about building a denomination. Jesus was not talking about building a worship style. Jesus was not talking Catholic or Protestants. Jesus was not talking Canal Street or, or, or First Grace or Vineyard. Jesus was not talking a philosophy. Jesus was not talking a club. He wasn't talking about an institution or a thing or a person. Jesus was talking about a people. On this rock, I will build my church. On this rock, on this understanding that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. On this, Jesus will pull a people to himself. And this people will represent Jesus, who he is. This people will reflect his beauty and his glory. The word Jesus used here in, uh, uh, in this passage is ecclesia or ecclesia. And the thing about this particular word is that there was already a group. There was already a group in ancient Palestine at the time called the Ecclesia or the Ecclesia. This group of people at the time was a group of elders in the community. And these elders got together. They were a community within the community and they got together to work for the good of the community. Their job was to get together and think through, hey, there was, a, there was just a, a disaster that, that hit our area of town. How are we going to work for the good for those in the community to work through this particular disaster? Or there was a neighborhood dispute. How are we, as the, the ecclesia, how are we going to come together and work for the good in this neighborhood dispute and help see resolution come to pass? Or there was an estate of someone who had passed away. How are we going to work together for the good. So when the disciples heard Jesus say, on this rock I'm going to build my ecclesia, they, they already understood, wait a minute, that is, that is something. 
This is, not a, this is not a term we've not heard before, but that is something. That is a community. A community within the community that works for the good of the larger community. They would have understood this. They would have understood, wait a minute, Jesus is saying that on this rock, he is going to, to build something that is good and that is beautiful, that's going to bring value to those around us, to the community that we live in. Now, here's how it works. And I think this is, this is ultimately something that we must grasp as followers of Jesus, but also as a community of faith. Because this, this following Jesus thing, this Christianity thing, it really is just a huge game of follow the leader. That's what it is. You know, what does it mean to be a Christian? It means to follow the leader. Well, how, how, do we, how do we know how to live our life? Follow the leader. Cooperate with the spirit of the living Christ that lives within you and follow the leader. So there's so much about church these days. It's like, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. Here's the deal. At Mid-City Vineyard, if we can get to a place, if I can get to a place where I'm not teaching, and, and you probably, it's been two years, you haven't heard me teach this way yet. I don't say to you, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. Last week, all about giving of your finances and being generous. At no point did you hear me say, you need to, because I think the way it works is the Holy Spirit is the one that draws us in the Holy Spirit is the one that reveals to you. The Holy Spirit, in the context of the community of faith, is the one that leads you and moves you and stirs you and guides you. Now, I do think that there are certain practices that form our lives in the context of the community through the power of the Spirit. And those are the things that we're teaching. But the bottom line is, it's a huge game and follow the leader. If you look in Matthew, or not, it's Mark. Mark chapter 10. I'm going to read this passage to you. Mark chapter 10, verse 35. I put this in your outline so you can go back and check it out later this week. 10, 35 through 45. Here's what Jesus has to say. Then, oh, okay. So here it is. At this time, context here. At this time, Jesus had just, predict, had just predicted his death. He had just spent some time telling his disciples, I am going to the cross. I am going to die. At that time, two of his disciples, James and John, thought, this seems like a great time to argue about which one of us is greater. Jesus just told us he's going to go die. Let's ask him which one of us is cooler. Okay. So James and John, sons of Zebedee, say, hey, Jesus, listen, that whole thing about your death, we're really sorry. But here's the thing. We were wondering if you could tell us, uh, if you could do a favor for us. Well, what do you want me to do? Well, they replied, well, we would like to actually sit at your right hand and at your left hand. Now, we know the other disciples, you like them too. But honestly, Jesus, it's really us, isn't it? It's us. Can we sit at your right and your left? In, one, in that day when you go to your glory? And Jesus says, well, you guys, you guys have awful timing. 
And besides that, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup that I'm about to drink? Or can you be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they're like, yeah, of course we can, Jesus. Obviously, they didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. They were too consumed. Have you ever experienced that, just being too consumed with your own stuff, that you kind of miss the point of what's going on all around you? That's nobody. Story of my life. So... Jesus said, here's the thing, guys. You will actually drink the cup. You will be baptized with the same baptism. Uh, but to sit at my right and my left, that's not really for me to grant. That's something for God, the creator, to give. And so when they heard this, they became, uh, when the other disciples heard this, they became indignant with James and with John. And then Jesus called all of them together. He said, here's the thing. Those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them. They lord it over their high officials. They exercise their authority over them. But it's not going to be this way with you guys. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must become a servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to actually serve. And to give his life as a ransom to many. Now, we've heard, more than likely, if you've been in church, a few times you've heard this passage. You know, no servant can be greater than their master. But then Jesus says, but even the Son of Man, even I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. In Philippians, we read that, that it was Jesus who decided to put aside his godness, to leave that place in, in glory next to the Father, and to come to earth, to be human. Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve. And you, 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 we have to almost reach a place where we would think uh, this would be literally like a president of the United States saying, you know what, I'm not here to be served, but I really want to serve. Now we know by their position, by the, by the job description, that they actually are supposed to work for the people. But have we ever met a president that really worked for the people? Don't answer that out loud. You want to take that further, then you could go to a communist nation. This would be like Kim Jong-un in North Korea saying, no, really, I, I don't want to be served. I, I'm, just, I'm just here to serve. That's an even further stretch. Would you agree? You know, and yet Jesus, the, the king of glory and the king of the world, says, I did, literally, I did not come to serve. I, I did not come to be served. I came to serve. Now think, if it's a game, and follow the leader. We flip over to 1 Corinthians 12. So I want to walk you through what following this leader actually looks like. And this is why it is a MCV distinctive. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to start in verse 12. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all the parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. It doesn't matter if you are slave or free. It does not matter if you are black or white. It does not matter if you are male or female. It does not matter if you are American or Ethiopian or Iraqi or North Korean. 
It does not matter whether you are gay or straight. These things don't matter, for we were all given one spirit to drink. So even so, the body is not made up of one part, but it is made up of many parts. Paul then goes on to explain. He says, listen, some of us in the body, some of us are eyes. Some of us are ears. He's using the analogy very literally here. He says, some of us are hands and some of us are arms. Some of us are feet and some of us are legs. He says, no part is greater than the other, but every part is needed. And then in verse 27, he says, now you are the body of Christ. When Paul uses the word you here, this is not the, the singular you. Paul's not saying, now Teresa, you are the body of Christ. He's not saying, now Ryan, you are the body of Christ. What Paul is saying, he's writing to the church, he's saying, Vincent Vineyard, you are the body of Christ. Vincent Vineyard, you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. Micah, the next one. There, oh, right there, Micah, right there. In the Message Bible, he says, Eugene Peterson says, You, church, you are Christ's body. That's who you are. Do not forget it. The game of follow the leaf. We're not greater than the master. The master did not come to be served, but to serve. We find out from Paul that we, right here, are the body of Christ. So let's look at one more passage. Go to Luke chapter 22. Micah, do I have that one? Okay, I'm going to read it to you. Luke chapter 22. Hang with me through this, because this, this, this is where the rubber hits the road. Luke chapter 22, verse 19. And that night before his death, Jesus was with his disciples. And he took the bread off of the table and he gave thanks. And he said, This is my body given for you. Now take this, break the bread in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup. And he said, This cup is the new covenant of my blood, my blood which is poured out for you. So you and I, as the church, are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And so we must ask, what does it mean to be the body of Christ? What did Christ do with his body? Christ used his body and allowed his body to be broken and to be poured out for the sake of of the world. You see, Jesus tells us, he says, listen, I invite you, anyone who wants to find their life must lose it. But anyone, anyone who loses their life, they will find it. But we must understand that when he says, follow me, what it means to lose our lives is to literally reach this place where we have said, my life is no longer mine, but Christ, my life belongs to you. And just as you allowed your life to be broken and poured out for the sake of the world that you love, Jesus says, now follow me, follow that model. 
and allow yourself, church, to be broken and poured out for the sake of the world. When we share communion, which we will do tonight as we do every single week at Mid-City Vineyard, here's why we do this every single week. It is, a, it is a weekly reminder that Christ allowed himself to be broken and poured out for us and for the world. And it is a weekly reminder that when Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, he's not saying break the bread and have a cognitive memory of the time I did that for you. He's saying, no, when you break the bread... Now would you go out and live this remembrance in your body as you are now broken and poured out for the sake of the community and the world in which you live in. The church is the body of Christ. The church is the body that works for the good of others. That, that comes underneath others and serves others. The church is, is our, the church is the people that don't lord it over others, that, that we're so great and, and you should serve us or serve me. And you see a lot of this in the church today, but the church is the body of Christ that comes under others and lifts people up, brings value to their lives, brings value to our communities. In his book, Jesus Wants to Save Christians. If you haven't read that, it's a, it's a beautiful book. Jesus Wants to Save Christians by Rob Bell. Micah, put this up. It, Rob, Rob says this here. He says, the good gift of God is not fair. Giving to those who cannot give in return, that's not fair. Serving those who have no way to serve in return, that's not fair. Breaking yourself open and pouring yourself out for people who may never say thank you, that is not fair because God is not fair. This is a God who is defined by action on behalf of the oppressed. God is about giving the good gift. Jesus is God's good gift for the healing of the world. And the church is Jesus' body, a good gift. For the healing of the world. It is for the benefit of others. I've often heard it said that the church exists for those who are not yet part of the church. The church exists for those who are not yet part of the church. And it's through our hearts of service. It's through learning what it is to lay down our lives for the sake of of others. This is an amazing thing, but this is a life-giving thing. This is the kind of thing that Jesus invites people to give their lives to and give their lives for. And like everything else we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, I would suggest that learning to serve others is a formative process. Now, I know you guys probably are not like this, but I have found in my own life that I am very selfish. Not you guys, right? And I have a huge ego. Something else that I really am not proud of. It's one of these things, though, where, where I desire that my ego would continue to, to, to be pushed down and that my selfishness would, would be pushed to the side. But it takes discipline and it takes practice. 
And there is no better way, there really is no better way to move ourselves out of our selfishness. There's no better way to move ourselves out of our own little pity parties about how rough our life might be, which it probably is many times, I agree, than to get outside of ourselves and serve other people in some way, shape, or form. Just like I told you last week, there's no better way to break the fear of scarcity off of your life or the, 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 the sin of greed than to begin to simply be more generous with your money. I mean, if you want to work against the things that hold your heart, then you have to practice working against those things, and serving is one of those ways. But I also want to say to you, in, in closing this, that there are some people who they are, they are so high on the generosity scale with their money, but they would not, you will never find these people actually coming un, uh, underneath someone else and serving them. There are other people who are so high on the serving scale, yet you will never find them actually creating space in their lives for people to get close to them. So it's, there are ways in, in following Christ to actually be like the bodybuilder who only works their upper body. Have you ever seen these guys? You know, you ever see the bodybuilder that only works their upper body and they've got legs like mine, yet they're like, they're huge on the, on the top, you know, and they, but they look like they're walking around with these little toothpicks. And, and that, you know, it's very possible in your life as a follower of Christ, you know, you can, you can be super busy all the time, serving, 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 but you don't take care of yourself, and you don't rest, and you don't take Sabbath, as we talk about, and honestly, you're doing yourself and the church no favors, or the kingdom. You could be the most generous person financially in the world, but you don't create space in your heart for other people. You're, you're not balanced. And I would suggest that as we begin to surrender more of these spaces and places to the Spirit of God, you don't need me to say, you know, you need to do this, 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 but the Spirit will begin to speak to you, whether it's in thought or in, in, in picture or whatever it might be, and invite you into, no, here's an opportunity. Here's an opportunity to serve in this capacity. Here's an opportunity to give. And today, today don't do any of it. Today, rest. See, there's so much more freedom in the Spirit of God than what many of us have been taught. But it's learning to live in the freedom of the Spirit. And that's where, that's where we become incredibly well-rounded followers of Jesus. Would you say that Jesus was a well-rounded Jesus? Uh, absolutely. I mean, Jesus knew. Jesus knew when, when to rest. And Jesus knew when God was healing. And Jesus knew when to be at the next party. And Jesus did not live a legalistic life. Jesus began, he learned how to ebb and flow with the Spirit. And I believe that's the same thing that's open to us. So once again, for us, Mid-City Vineyard, this is what we do, organized and organic. As a community of faith, organized, we have these opportunities coming up, and I encourage you to sign up, come be a part of something uh, where you're able to serve with the community, whether it's Thanksgiving food drives or food bank drives or whatever else we have back there. Sign up for something. Be a part of something there. And then organic. What are, what's God doing with you in, in your neighborhood, on your street, at your job? 
you know, don't, 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 if you have a job that you're just kind of like, eh, quit looking at your job so much as a job and look at your job as more of the place that God currently has you where God would like for you to open your heart and create space for others. Where, where the Spirit of God might be inviting you to serve others who might have a crappier life than you. You just don't know it. Whatever it might be. But there's, there's, there's things that God is doing here. So tonight, we're going to share communion together. I want to invite you to stand again. I'm going to pick the guitar up. And uh, we have, I'd like for us to pray this prayer together as we move into communion and, and worship together. So Micah, if you would put the prayer of St. Francis on the screen. So I believe that this prayer kind of moves us in that place out of out of ourselves so may we pray this together Lord make me a channel of thy peace that where there is hatred I may bring love where there is wrong may I bring the spirit of forgiveness where there is discord may I bring harmony that where there is error I may bring truth where there is doubt may I bring faith that where there is despair, I may bring hope. That where there are shadows, I may bring light. That where there is sadness, I may bring joy. Lord, grant that I may seek to comfort rather than to be comforted. To understand rather than to understand. To love rather than to be loved. For it is by self-forgetting that one finds. It is by forgiving that one is forgiven. It is by dying that one awakens to eternal life. Amen.